Welcome everyone to Straight Up with Mike and Mark Keaton, episode one. This week we'll be covering the topics week one and week two of college football. Let's get started. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so week one, college football. Um, we'll kind of recap what's going on here. We'll, we'll talk about games that surprised us, teams that kind of suck, um, and teams that, are, teams that are doing way better than, than we thought. TJ, what are your, what are your thoughts on that to start with? Uh, I love that to start with. I mean, we get a good you know, standpoint of where these teams are, what teams to look for, what teams are emerging, what teams are submerging, and just get a good idea of what the college season may look like. So yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. I mean, we can look back at week one, um, and but mostly week two is a lot of the upsets that started surprising me. Yeah. You've got you got the Texas almost beating Alabama, and personally, if it's me, Quint Ewers, if he's still on the field, Texas wins that football game. Texas had multiple t- like chances to close that game, and they didn't do it. And I don't know if that's the Alabama effect or what, but that's a that's a scary thing as an Alabama fan to kind of watch that unfold. You know, and to realize that the game is not in your hands, especially as an Alabama fan. So I'm curious to see how this plays out the rest of the year. I don't feel like Alabama is going to have as tough opponents as as they did with Texas. But I feel like it's just a stepping stone for yeah, them. Absolutely. And they do play A&M, and we watched A&M get upset by App State. Shout out Chase Bryce, played with him in high school. Um, <laughs> but we watched that happen this weekend. So Texas A&M, vulnerable, but also could come back with a little vengeance there. Yeah, but Texas A&M doesn't really spark that type of tenacity as uh, Alabama or Kentucky or Arkansas to me. Like Best recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes does say a lot, though. Yeah, but you have Jimbo Fisher co- coaching your team. Yeah, I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, I mean, and then you look at another one, Marshall beating Notre Dame. And I, I personally thought Notre Dame was a top-10 team um, after that first first game when they played um, – who was it? It was Ohio, Ohio State. State. They played. Uh, they they shut down Jackson's. Jackson Smith and Jigua went out early, so so it was kind of um, he was having to rely. C.J. Stroud was relying on his backup receivers, um, but Marshall beating Notre Dame. It's not a good look for Notre Dame right now. If you would have asked me before the season started, then I would have told you that Notre Dame was a borderline playoff team. And even if you would ask me after week one with the game, the way they played Ohio State, I would have been like, they're still a borderline playoff team. But the fact that they come out zero and two. And they lose at home, as a matter of fact, to Marshall. They paid $1.25 million for Marshall to play them, and they lose. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's a, very much of a surprise to me. But at the same time, you can only hope that it's up from here. Like, how can it get any worse? Yeah. You know a- what I'm saying? Absolutely. You could say the same thing for Nebraska. Scott Frost fired um, three seasons. I think he had a 16-25 and 25 record in yeah, those the, three seasons. The second worst record of three seasons by any Nebraska and coach. They, they, they would rather lose $9 million then fire him on October first. If they fired they fired him on Tuesday um, or on Monday. If they would have fired him October first, they would have saved nine million dollars. But they'd rather pay that extra nine than rather keep Scott Frost as their head coach. It, Georgia Southern, that was it. They said, "Yeah, that's that's a wrap." You're, and, you're, and I mean, shout out to Southern. They've got three stars, four stars around the board. They get those transfer downs, the five stars from the next level. I know they've got this kid committed there, Jaden Gibson from Rabin County, played with Gunnar Stockton, mm-hmm. um, big, big four-star, three-star prospect receiver. Um, they're doing their thing down there at Southern ever since they stopped that triple option. Yeah, and shout-out to the Sun Belt. They went 2-1 and one this weekend. Yeah, Sun Belt. Against top-10 teams. So App State beat, App State beat um, A&M. A&M and Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, and um, there was another one in there. Uh, anyways, we'll <laughs> skip over that one. All right, what's another upset that you like this week? This week, 
Um, or could it couldn't even be an upset. It could be one of those Tennessee over Pitt or Kentucky over Florida games. I think the Tennessee over Pitt game was a good one for Tennessee to have under their belt before they head into SEC play. Because, I, like, they, they beat a ranked team. They beat them on the road. Was it on the road? They beat them on the road. And they do it in overtime fashion. So, like, for Tennessee, like, to now be ranked, I think they're now ranked 15. To now be ranked in the AP poll for 15 to have some type, some type of hype and true, like, tenacity about them is – Really confident to see, especially coming out of the SEC East. Absolutely, and I think it gives I think it gives Tennessee some legitimacy there. I know there was questions with Josh Upel, the new head coach, and um, how that was gonna how that was gonna um, transfer over with Jeremy Pruitt going out. Jeremy Pruitt's a, a high a high caliber name. You've heard that name over and over again. Josh Upel, he's kind of the young guy. He's he's newer, and he brought in that Tennessee recruiting class. Um, what's his name? Uh, Hooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a phenomenal game. Looked real well. Looked like. Maybe a borderline first-round QB pick in next year's or this year's draft, um, and I think it gave Tennessee some real legitimacy, and I would consider them a top fifteen team. I like that. So those are those are our hot takes and recaps of week one and two. Now we're going to break down the D one and D three top twenty fives. Who should be in? Who should be out? And kind of move on from there. TJ, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as the D one top twenty five, um, it's really not too much of a shakeup. I will say this. I'm gonna just. I'm not gonna, you know, recap the whole top 25. But I'm gonna read you the first five out, and then I'm gonna tell you who I think, who are, who are in the top 25 and who should be pulled out instead. So the first five out are Marshall, Cincinnati, App State, Kansas State, and North Carolina, and some teams that I feel like could re- like could be replaced by them as of right now. The two teams that stand out right now is Oregon and Texas A&M. So Oregon suffered a humiliating loss to Georgia. Oregon, to, Oregon should not, not be in the, in the top, top twenty-five. That is you, you ridiculous. That's terrible. There. And they they got in seven votes ahead of Marshall. So like, if I'm if I'm the AP poll, I'm taking Oregon out of there. I'm putting one of these teams in Marshall, Cincinnati, or App State for sure. Because App State, I feel like, is a worthy team to be twenty-five after beating Notre Dame on the road, and then losing a close one to North Carolina, like a great game to North Carolina. Um, also, I don't feel like Texas A&M should be ranked right now because in the two games that they've played, they've put up 17 points. They put up 17 points against Sam Houston in that week one game at home, and they lost against Marshall. So, like, that in itself tells me, like, you're not a top 25 team right now. Absolutely. Texas A&M got beat by App State. App State was playing UNC the week before and gave up 63 points in that overtime thriller. That was mm-hmm. a great game, by the way. Great. Yeah. UNC's got something good going. App State's got a good program going there. But to lose to a team that gave up 61 and still not, I think it was they didn't have a first down in the entire first quarter, Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's not a top five, top 25 team. And you can say all you want about, it's Jimbo Fisher over there, right? Mm-hmm. And you can say all you want about Jimbo Fisher, all about the recruiting class that they have and paying players NIL deals and stuff like that. But if you can't win games, you're not going to last in the college football world. At all. And if right now your best win is Sam Houston, then, yeah, you, you're not in the top 25. I, I'm just it's – the, it's the SEC effect, and, and I'm a Georgia fan myself, and it's the SEC effect. They play in the SEC. They're Texas A&M. They're a big name. They're going to get those votes simply because – Simply because of that and where you look at teams like Marshall and you look at teams at App State and Cincinnati. Cincinnati was a top four team. They were in the college football playoff last, last year. Last year, yeah. And for them not to be ranked, it's just, you know, they're not giving respect where respect's due. Exactly. For me, I don't like I don't like Oregon in the top 25. I don't like Texas A&M in the top 25. However, I think Florida should be higher than Baylor. 
Now, Baylor's 1-1, one one, Florida's 1-1, one one, but Florida's played actual competition. Yeah. You know, that game versus Kentucky, that's a good game. Will Levis, great quarterback from Kentucky. Kentucky is no longer, you could consider them no longer a basketball school. Yeah. Right? They're, they're, sure. they're a sports school. Their track team's great, their basketball team's great, and now you can say their football team's pretty solid. If you're a Kentucky fan, you're happy there. And I think UNC should be in. UNC beat Florida A&M. That's kind of their sisters of the poor game at the beginning of the season. No yeah. disrespect there. Um, they, they beat App State in that thriller. App State goes on to beat Texas A&M. So App State's arguably that top 25 team. And then they beat Georgia State. I mean, Georgia State's one of those programs. They've got um, they've got a bunch of D1 transfers. They've got a couple drop-downs from South Carolina. They've got a tr- couple drop-downs from Louisville and stuff like that. They come to Georgia State ready to play. And that's a D1 football team. That's 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 another one of those Sunbelt Conference teams. Mm-hmm. And so for me, UNC's got to be in the top 25. And that's looking, you know, at the bottom of it. I think also if we're talking about the top 25, I think Clemson is still ranked too high. Way too high. For my my DJ Uyangalele, or however you pronounce his last (laughs) name, I just don't think he should be there. I think their backup quarterback should be in. Mm, That's a bold take. That's a high take for sure. Um, He was a five-star quarterback, Cade Klubnick. He came in, you looked at him in the spring game, he threw for like three touchdowns in the spring game. He comes in, he leads a beautiful drive um, in their last game in that second half when they're up big against uh, Georgia Tech. He comes in, leads a, I think he went like six for seven on passes in that one drive. Kate Klubnick's making a run at DJ there. And you and you look at him, he was a Heisman candidate last year, but if I'm if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I'm playing the best quarterback out there regardless of who's regardless of who's in that QB room. Yeah, and that's true. And I think they got Georgia right. I finally think oh, that yeah. flip of Alabama and Georgia, I think that was the right flip. You watched Alabama have that real nail-biter there, um, and Georgia continues to dominate. And I think Will Anderson has making his presence felt, and he's gonna, he might be one of those players who's in that Heisman candidate uh, as a defensive player. But I think that Alabama offensive line is struggling. They are not giving Bryce Young as much time as they should be. That's another thing. I haven't even thought about the Heisman race after the first two weeks. Because Stets, two words. Stetson Bennett. Oh, my God. Stetson Bennett should be on your Heisman watch, without a doubt. He should be there. I, I'm Okay. That's something. You, you think, okay, let's let's be real. You think Stetson Bennett has a chance to win the Heisman, like, by the end of the year? Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Georgia, we're looking way far ahead. Georgia goes undefeated and you know, makes it to the playoffs. Number one, everything's laid out the way Georgia fans want it. Mm-hmm. And you think Stetson Bennett's going to be that Heisman Trophy winner. Dude, come on. How can he not? Look, at, <laughs> I just want I just want you to read this, right? Week one against Oregon. He comes in winning off a national championship. He gets a fresh fade, right? Yeah. He comes in. He comes in. He's got waves. Stequavius Bennett, right? He goes 25 for 31, 368 yards and two touchdowns. Solid. And a rushing touchdown. Great numbers. Great numbers. Great numbers against Oregon, an arguably top 25 team. Now, they're not top 11 where they were ranked, but... Top 25 team, Oregon. They've got a great defense. Dan Lanning, Georgia's defensive coordinator. Georgia sent like nine guys in the first round from defense yeah. last year. He goes over to Oregon, right? Obviously, he's going to have a good defensive mindset, and Stetson Bennett just abolishes it. <laughs> like, I think if he continues to play the way he does, and then Sanford, he went 24 for 34. He had a touchdown, uh, a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. I mean, okay. If he continues it, and Georgia's got some, Georgia's got a couple, couple tough games. They've got South Carolina coming up this weekend. Um, so we'll see how that Spencer Rattler Stetson Bennett battle goes. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina's got some good defensive backs, but I'm just saying he should be on your Heisman watch. Not that he's gonna win it, <laughs> but he should be one. He should be he's, one of those people who's up there. Yeah, he's, uh, he's gonna be in the suit. He's gonna be sitting now. Absolutely, and I think I think we're looking at more teams who should be in and teams who should be out. USC, number seven. 
I like him at seven. You don't like him at seven? I like him at ten to twelve range. I mean, what they're two and zero right now. Have two solid wins. They haven't done it like in my def- in my like case. Like I feel like they haven't done anything like Ohio State has. Like when you look at Ohio State scare against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is the third ranked team in the country, and now you look at Notre Dame who's going two. So what does that win mean to your program? Yeah, I mean they they play Rice week one, week one right? They beat them sixty six fourteen, and then they come around and play Stanford. They give up twenty eight points to Stanford. I mean, Stanford's always been like a solid team. Stanford's a solid team, but 28 points? It's that Pac-12 defense. That's why I'm saying they're not a top-10 team, right? You look at the last teams who have won national championships. They've all been led by their defense. You had last year Georgia with Jordan Davis, Kali Ringo, all those kind of guys. Um, Tyson, not Tyson Campbell, but that defense of Trevon Walker, that mm-hmm. nasty defensive line that Georgia had. And the year before that, you had what? it was Alabama, right? Yeah. Alabama was led. They had that disgusting defense that they had, and then they had their – their whole team of whatever was going on there. They're all led by defenses, right? And that's why I like Michigan at four. Now, they don't have that QB settled yet between J.J. Uh, McCarthy and Cade McNamara. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have that kind of quarterback situation settled yet. I don't think they know which – I don't even think Jim Harbaugh knows which way he's going to pull yet. But I like Michigan at number four. They've got a huge defense. Now, if they can win that Ohio State game – it's a huge game for them because you're looking at a team 3-4 matchup right now where each team shouldn't lose until they play each other. Yeah, but don't forget about Michigan State either. They're ranked 10th mm. in the nation right now. And Michigan State's always been a tough team, even for Michigan. And Michigan State's a defensive back team. Yeah. They're, they're always, they're, they've been solidified by their defense. Exactly. You know who else I like in the top 10? Oh. Arkansas. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. For some, I still feel like Kentucky's a bit more complete than Arkansas. Because Kentucky's nine and Arkansas's ten. I like Arkansas's offense way more than I like their defense. Mm. Their offense is impeccable, especially if their quarterback's playing at the right level. And it's crazy because like they're definitely a top ten team, but they're in the ACC East. Mm. So they've got to compete with Georgia. You have to compete with Georgia and Kentucky. But KJ and Jefferson, man, I'm telling you, he's legit. He's legit. He's built like Cam Newton. He's got that 6'4", 250-pound frame that he's just going to run at you and just run you over. Yeah. So that's what I like there. Now we can we can go down a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the D3 Top 25 here. Now there's not a lot of AP Top 25. ESPN's not putting out notifications here. What do you, you kind of like there? Uh, D3 Top 25. I know uh, Wisconsin Whitewater beat Mary Hart and Baylor mm-hmm. this past weekend. Mm-hmm. They moved up a little bit. They beat them by... was it, was a point or two? It was like a point 21, or two. 21-14 Yeah, they scored in the last there. couple, last yeah, drive. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a one-score game. One yeah, score one-score game. game. So, with that happening, that knocks Mary Hart and Baylor out of one and puts St. John's there, I believe. Mm. So, it's definitely a shake-up because nobody... Mary Hart and Baylor and Mountain Union's always been those top two. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever sees them knocking out of that top two. So, it's definitely something new for everybody to see. And it's something that's like, okay... College football, D three college football world is kind of like open in a sense. Yeah, so doors, doors, door was cracked a little bit. Now it's kind of Wisconsin it's, Whitewater kind of kicked the door down, yeah, opened things up. And know. I think, see, for me, I'm putting Wisconsin Whitewater number one. They're sitting at they're sitting at four right now, um, but they beat the number one team, and that's a one v four matchup. That was a great football game. If you got a chance to watch any of it, I watched mm-hmm. uh, I watched the third and fourth quarter a little bit. Um, but that's a great game. I'm putting Wisconsin-Whitewater number one. They just beat the number one team. They should be the number one team, especially if they're within arm's reach at that number four position. I also think Trinity's just a bit too high. Where are they at right now? I believe they're at... Let me oh, they're at seven. They're at seven. Uh, nah, I, just, I, I, like, I like Trinity. You like seven. Trinity at seven? Why? Just, Tell me. 
So I mean, Trinity's technically in Barry's conference, right? And you you're on the Barry football team, so let's not get bi- <laughs> let's not get biased here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're in our conference, and and we'll we'll play them later on this year. Yeah. Um, but what do, what do you like about Trinity? What I know you watched them last year, and I know you'll watch them again this year. But like, what makes them? They're at I see they're at nine right now. Or that was preseason. They're at seven still. Yeah. Uh. I like them because I like them at seven right now because they are hard nosed defensive ran team right now. They're returning most of their starters, returners on defense. They have like three preseason All Americans on defense. They have a hard nosed football team, and the way that they played Mary Hart and Baylor last year is what surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. It's like when you look at them, and I feel like you when you look at any team in general, you're like they're beatable. Like they're you know they're they're men just like the rest of us. They're beatable, but. It's, it's the tenacity that they play with. It's just different. Absolutely. And, I, I mean, they did just beat um, number now number 10. They were ranked a little higher. Wheaton, they beat them by one point. Mm-hmm. That's why I have them just a little bit too high. So if they beat the number 10 team by one point, I'm having them behind Linfield and John Hopkins, kind of at that nine range. Oh, okay. I can see that. That's fair, man. Yeah. Um, another one, Barry. I think Barry should be a top 25 team right now. They You have one bad, and, and I may be speaking a little biased here, um, but you have one bad season. You win five straight conference championships, and then you have one bad season where you still have a winning record. I think, or I think six and six was that the record last year? Six and four. Six and four. You yeah. still have a winning record last year, and now you're out of the top twenty-five. Well, I mean, speaking from a player standpoint, like I ain't gonna lie, like maybe the, the polls haven't always been in our favor, haven't yeah. been in Barry's favor, but um, it's it's less. I guess we, what I learned as an athlete and as a player for Barry over the course of the past few years, like it's less about the polls and more about the culture change that you have in your locker room and the culture change that you have and the attitude towards these things. It's not about what the polls say. It's not about what these uh, where they have us ranked, what they think preseason. It all that matters is the postseason. All that matters is okay. Let's go on week out, week in and week out, and let's show them why we're this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like that's why, for me personally, I've never paid attention to these rankings because it's like they're gonna say what they want to say. Like on Saturday, on Saturday, they're not putting on those helmets. Go out there and play ball. Yeah, yeah, go out there and play ball. They're not. They're not gonna say anything when you win. Yeah. All right. So there's our there's our recap of the D three top twenty five. We're gonna move in predictions week three college football. Um, we'll stay with the D three side here. That way, D one we can go. There's a little bit more to talk about. D three is kind of week three. Everybody's there's a couple big games, but there's All also right. a couple smaller games. Teach right, what do you me. like here? Hit me with the big games. I want you to hit me. Hit me um, so I've got Barry versus Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, now that one's at home. It's at Barry. Barry's Barry's got a little student section going on now. It could be a little home field advantage. <laughs> um, but Wisconsin Whitewater, we we went up there. It was what was the score last year? A lot to a little. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So so Barry's got Barry's got revenge on their mind. They're at home. They've got their home crowd. They've got their home fans. I think that one could be a lot more interesting than people think. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, there you have a Wisconsin team coming down to the south, playing in the southern heat. Humidity. Mm-hmm. That's all, and I hope it's I hope it's ninety three, and it feels like ninety eight. It's supposed to be eighty seven and sunny. I looked at it this week. It's supposed to be eighty seven and sunny, and it's not. It, it's not going to be cool. I can tell you that much. Saturday high of eighty seven, and I love it. I hope I hope they burn up. <laughs> yeah, I hope they feel Southern Georgia heat for sure, and be like, "What is this?" Like, yeah, in the first quarter, absolutely. And I think for Barry, it's going to come down to Brandon Cade, DeAndre Wilson, and Gavin Gray. And the front, the front seven, you know, the game is always winning the offensive and defensive in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? So, you win those games in the trenches, and especially in special teams, then I feel like you have always have a great chance. Absolutely, and you've got big Tony Garcia up there on the offensive line. You've got a sophomore in Hayden Cagle starting at center this year. Uh, You've got some big boys for Barry in the offensive line, but you've also got 
some huge boys coming in from Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, but you you have guys that are hungry. That's another thing. You mm-hmm. have guys that remember what this game felt like last year. Yeah. So you got guys that are ready to compete, that's come through a culture change, that's been through this together, mm-hmm. and now they're like, we're not going to let this happen. You've got yet. that battle. You flew all the way up to Chicago, drove drove to Wisconsin just to lose by, what was it, 21, 28? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah it and was, you remember that feeling. Yeah, it was not a close game. So you've got to come down, and now they're coming to home, right? Mm-hmm. You protect your home territory. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And then another one, Harden-Simmons at Wisconsin-Platteville. I think that's a, that's a top 25 matchup right there, and I think that one could go head-to-head. Um, Harden-Simmons has got a high-powered offense, Wisconsin-Platteville. That, those, those North schools solidified by their defense. Yeah. And I think that one could end up being very close and could shape, shake up the rankings just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Now back to big, big games for the D1 level. Well, there's a little bit more to talk about here. D3, not as much going on this week, week three. Um, big games, sleeper teams, easy wins for other teams. What do you think? All right, so I'm going to come out with two, a couple of my upsets that I have. Um, I think that Miami pulls out a road win over 24 or the 23 Texas A&M and jumps into the top 10. 24. 24. 24. Yeah. So uh, Miami's ranked, what, like 12, 11, 12 right now? Uh, 11. They're ranked 11. And Correction, 13. 13. 13. So they're ranked 13. They haven't really done anything significantly to, like, tell me, oh, that Miami's here. Like, Miami's going to challenge Clemson in the SEC again. You know, but if they beat Texas A&M on the road, like, it's still Texas A&M. It's still an SEC school. Like, Texas A&M is still. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think Miami jumps into that top 10 after they beat, if they beat Texas A&M? Yeah, I feel like you have to. If you're going to rank Texas A&M, then. Even you... if BYU, Michigan State, and Arkansas all win. Do you still think they make that jump? Yeah, because to me, you still got to kick Oregon out of there somehow. You still got some teams that's in the top 20 that don't have that same resume as Miami. Like, at that point, you Miami will have a ranked win, win I mean, a win over a ranked team, and then it'll be 3-0. and Yeah, and someone's going to go down this week. You've got BYU and Oregon playing. I got so B- B- yeah, I got BYU B- being Yeah, BYU is, BYU is one um, – one ranking above Miami, so they'll at least move up one if BYU loses and Miami wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, for me, Oklahoma and Nebraska. I now I know Nebraska. Good. Now I know Nebraska has just been playing. It's it's pitiful this year, is what they've been doing on the football field. Yeah. Um, I feel for my boys up there at Nebraska and Gabe Irvin and all those running backs up there that I have. Um, but they're zero and two. They lost to Georgia Southern, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're coming off a loss to that Scott Frost. You don't have a head coach. Nebraska has nothing to lose at this point. And now Oklahoma, they they lost all their players. They lost Caleb Williams. They lost the half, basically half of their team. But for me, I think Nebraska has the potential to pull this game off. They're playing angry. They've got nothing to lose. It's it's go out there and ball. I mean, okay. And that's a fair thing to say, too. Because, yeah. like, no, there's nothing more dangerous than a team that has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Especially when they have their backs against the wall. It feels like the world's against them. So I, I, can, see, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, What's another one you got on your plate? Interesting one right here is Texas Tech over NC State. If I have that one as an upset alert. Texas because, Tech? Yes, Texas Tech is 2-0 right now. Okay. And they beat Houston, who was ranked 25 when they beat them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting in, in its own way. But they are playing at home against number 16, NC State. And it's, NC State was a top 10 team, a top 7, I believe, at, at, the, yeah, at the beginning of the season in that preseason poll. Yeah, so... For Texas Tech to be running off a 2-0 win streak right now, some good solid wins, and to be at home versus a ranked opponent, I think 
you know, as a as a writer, you have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. One one on my radar that you may want to keep a look on. Just it, it's a top twenty five matchup, not for one team, not for the other. Is that Ole Miss Georgia Tech game? Georgia Tech played 36 minutes of football. They didn't play a full 48, right, against Clemson. Yeah. They played 36. Up until that fourth quarter, it was a very close football game. And it was it was one I had on my TV watching. I was I was praying for Jeff Sims. I think Jeff Sims is the real deal. I think I think Georgia Tech fans don't like Jeff Sims just cuz he's it's been a it's been a long time since Georgia Tech's had a winning season, right? Yeah. But I think Jeff, if they, they've got to ride the Jeff Sims train. They've got to pick a quarterback and ride with him. And I think that defense that Georgia Tech has put up against Clemson, which is arguably a top 15 team, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's one to keep on your radar as well. If I'm a betting man, I'm not going to put money on this one, but it's one to keep on your TV, keep on your laptop, keep keep playing throughout the day. And another one to keep an eye on, I know probably nobody's even thinking about this one, but Penn State at Auburn. I have that one on my list right here. That could be a good game. Anytime you play a Jordan Hare is always something. Jordan Hare, it's it's one of the I, I remember watching an interview, I think it was with Aaron Murray a couple years ago, old George quarterback, and he said one of the hardest places to play in the SEC, not not even in the SEC, in the entire country is Jordan Hare. It gets so loud, it gets so so vibrant, the fans are yelling, screaming. Um, it could be a very um, close game. And that's why I feel like if it's close within the first second quarter and it's like a halftime, and Auburn comes out, and I feel like that's why I feel like Auburn, Auburn can probably it is, The only thing is it is a 3.30 kickoff. So it's going to be that afternoon, kind of midday feel. Um, so we'll see how loud Jordan Hare can actually get. Mm-hmm. I think the last one I have, and I know it pains me to say this, but Georgia-South Carolina. It's that, it's that <laughs> SEC matchup that, like, it's always a little closer than it should be. Right, and you've got Spencer Rattler, who was a Heisman candidate at one point. Um, we watched him on QB One. It's it's a guy you followed. It's one of those quarterbacks you followed since high school, um, and I think that game could be a lot closer if South Carolina plays a complete game. I mean, you're looking at Georgia's defense this year. You're looking at Georgia's offense this year. They're they're Georgia high powered. They didn't rebuild. They reloaded after last year. Yeah. Um, so when you look at that, if South Carolina wants to pull this off, they're gonna have to play. Very good football. And they're going to want to have to, like, make sure Georgia's not on their A game themselves. Like Absolutely. I feel like even at their best, like, Georgia at their best, South Carolina at their best, I still got Georgia by, like, 14. It's at South Carolina, though. That's And that's that's good for them. But they have to make, have some things go right for them and some things go wrong for Georgia in, over, in order to feel like they have a chance. Yeah, Georgia, Stetson Bennett's got to make some mistakes. You've got those running backs in uh, – Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh, they've got to make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, the receivers got to have drops. And you look at Georgia's loaded tight end room. You've got uh, Brock Bowers, who's arguably the best tight end tight in the end nation. In the nation right? Darnell Washington, who is the LeBron James of college football. He's yeah. 6'7", 290 pounds, hurtling defenders. Complete Ridiculous. Arik Gilbert, who was the number one tight end coming out of high school. They compared him to Kyle Pitts. And then you've got the freshman Oscar Delp back there. Those are those – are, that's a – a nightmare for DBs and linebackers. You put a six-seven tight end out on the field, and you tried to put a six-two defensive back on him. Throwing jump balls. menace. I'm throwing alley oops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's 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 one of those ones that is is going to be one to keep a lookout for. So that that wraps up our week week three college football predictions. Now we're going to go for our big question of the day. We'll wrap up with a big question each week. Um, this one was was TJ TJ liked this question a lot. Um, what is the greatest college football team of all time? 
And for me personally, I didn't want to look at teams prior to probably like the 70s or 80s because, you know, nowadays everything is more of a shotgun, speed option. Everything's a more speedy offense. A lot of players are in better shape. You've got better athletes yeah, than like, you were back then. You're not, you know, seeing, you're not seeing those Darnell Washingtons come back in 1980. Not, those guys are going to the basketball court if they're 6'7". Exactly. So the team – and here's some other teams that I possibly had that were up there with my consideration. So I had the 05 Texas Longhorns. That was the Vince Young. The Vince Young Texas, the the Rose Bowl, the walk-off Rose Bowl. Walk-off Rose Bowl win. Um, That was one of my teams. I had the 95 Nebraska team, which is a really solid Cornhusker team that, you know, won a natty. The team I'm going to have to go with, and it's probably on a lot of people's minds, is the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. You have a football team with Ed Reed, a like, I think a Marshall winning, the quarterback won – a best quarterback of the year, uh, a defense that didn't allow no more than 10 points per game. How do you beat that? Like, that's a, that's a tenacious team. You had you have Frank Gore on this team, and you have Willis McGahee when he was healthy. You have um, Clinton Portis. All of them in your backfield. You have Ray Lewis. You got Jeremy Shockey. There's no – how do you beat – this 0-1 team. Like, it's just unfair at this point. I can name a team that can beat them. Try your best. What? You got Sean Taylor on this team. You're not beating this team. The 2019 LSU Tigers. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen. They murdered every team they played, right? Mm-hmm. They have Joe. Joe Burrow is the quarterback, right? Arguably one of – he had that season, he had arguably one of the greatest college football seasons of all time. Okay. As the quarterback. Threw for 60 touchdowns, all that kind of good stuff. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And, and, I mean, you're, you're a college receiver, right? Who's your top five NFL receivers right now? Or just answer this question. Do you, ha- do you have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in those top five? Yes. Exactly. You have two top five receivers in the NFL right now. You have Patrick Queen, Clyde, and then you have your running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Mm-hmm. Great running back in the NFL. You have Derek Stingley Jr., Grant Delpit. They had no fewer than 36 points in 14 games in a perfect 15-0 season. 21 of those 22 starting players on that national championship team, all on an NFL roster right now. They won, they won, they won, they were 7-0 and against top 10 teams in the nation that year. I still don't think they beat this 2001 team. You know why? Because you have Ed Reed in the backfield. You have Jonathan Vilma at middle linebacker. You have a defense that's, you know how many, they, they had six All-American, first-team All-American selections. At least a dozen all-conference ACC selections. They had... A quarterback, the quarterback Ken Dorsey, his name is Ken Dorsey, won the Maxwell Award, finished third for the Heisman, finished third for the Heisman Trophy. Ed Reed, Jim Thorpe Award. Their center, Brent Romberg, wins the uh, Reming, Remington Trophy. Yep. John Shockey, John Mackey Award, best tight end. How do you beat? How do you stop so many weapons? You you heard the running back, Joe Burrow. Don't Joe Burrow me. Joe Burrow. Don't Joe Burrow me. Joe Burrow. LSU, even you if can't, you're not guarding Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at the same time, I don't care if I mean Ed Reed. Ed Reed could probably rock, lock down one of them, right? Yeah, the whole side. Yeah, who the other side's wide open. The other Gosh. side is wide open, mm. and if not, then you're running it up the middle with uh, with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Not on Jen, not on Jonathan Vil, not on Vilma. You have Sean Taylor at cornerback. They had Sean Taylor at corner that year. I like Jamar Chase over Sean Taylor. It's a hot take, but I like it. Yeah, you're going to burn with that take. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you can get up and walk out of here. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But, I mean, I, I just – 21 of 22 starting players on that championship team were, are all on NFL rosters right now. And you can make an argument Joe Burrow's a top-five quarterback right now. Right? Week one of the NFL, we're not going to talk about that Joe Burrow. We're not going to talk about four interception Joe Burrow. That was – well, yep. it did happen. He's hurt. He's hurt, right? You know, that's that's what that's the mistake we're gonna make there. But Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards Alaire, Derek Stingley, Grant Delpit, Patrick Queen. All of those guys are arguably top top ten in their position, in their respective position. You know? Yeah. It's it's one of those topics we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on here. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do that or talk about this on our own free time. <laughs> All right, and with that being said, that'll wrap up episode one of Straight Up with Mike and Marquina. We appreciate y'all for listening today, and uh, we'll see you soon.